Welcome to Your Confident Self, the podcast that empowers women to step into their boldest, most confident selves. I'm your host, Allegra Sinclair, and I'm here to help you unleash your full potential in every area of your life. From the boardroom to the dance floor, we'll explore practical strategies and mindset shifts that will help you show up as your most confident self in every situation. Join me each week as I either bring you a lesson straight from my own executive coaching practice, or I dive into conversations with inspiring women who have overcome their own fears and self-doubt to achieve amazing things. From entrepreneurs and executives to artists and athletes, my guests will share their stories and insights so you can learn from their experiences and apply their lessons to your own life. Whether you're ready to ask for that promotion, start your own business, or simply feel more confident in your own skin, Your Confident Self is the podcast for you. So grab your headphones and get ready to unlock your full potential. Hey, this is Allegra. Welcome to the podcast. Now, I'm going to be talking very Southern today because I'm in the South and I'm trying to get an accent so I can be more interesting. And my guest is also in the South, so it's on, y'all. That's right. (laughs) It is going to be on. Today, we are talking about, or rather, we are talking with someone who I just met recently, but I think that we might have known each other in a former life because we were laughing from square one. And y'all know I was really raised in Jersey. I don't usually like people, but I liked her instantly. And I think you're going to have the exact same response. Karen Freeland is a recovered corporate workaholic. After years in high-pressure leadership roles at Fortune 500 companies, she traded the boardroom for the bedroom. Now, before y'all get it twisted, in her hilarious award-winning book, The Ins and Outs of My Vagina, a penetrating memoir, she recounts the mishaps and misadventures she's had over the past 40 years with a special partner in crime, her vagina, named The. Women of all ages can relate to this raw and honest journey of firsts, long-term relationships, and finding pleasure. Karen's also a speaker and certified life reinvention coach focused on helping women transform their lives and achieve their dreams. Through her signature Edit Your Life program, she offers one-on-one coaching, giving women all the tools and techniques needed to cover fears, discover their purpose, and live their dream life. Her group coaching program called Success Without Sacrifice helps women grow their career and create the balance they crave so they never miss out on life again. Please help me welcome Karen to the podcast. Hey, Karen. Hi, Allegra. It's so good to be with you today. It is so good to have you here. This is, I know, shots fired, fire in the hole, all the fire. (laughs) All the fire metaphors I could come up with and grab your panties because this is a definite big girl panties episode because we're going to get into some delicious stuff, but we're grown women here. So (laughs) thank goodness for that. I know, right? So tell me about the corporate workaholic part. What does that mean to you? Corporate workaholic. Yeah, I mean, it's the 24-7 hustle mentality, always on never can be separated from your phone. And, you know, I think it's one of those things that it was just what I saw others model for me. It was a bit of a badge of honor. And Mm -hmm. so I just took to it, you know, and I was like, well, this is what I got to do to be successful. 
I'm game. I'll do anything to get that title and get that paycheck, right? Yes. That is wild. When you said badge of honor, something in me Mm. just rose up and screamed no, because I remember walking into meetings and it would be a badge of, it was like a contest to say who had gotten the least sleep. Yes. Oh yeah. We had one guy, he'd be like, I slept in the office last night. And I'm like, why? Why is this? Why are we celebrating this? I mean, I don't understand. Really? Yes. I don't ever remember anybody saying they slept in the office, but wow. I yeah. would hope that if someone said that today, that everybody would look at him like, um, you need Jesus. I'm not sure why right. you slept here. I'm not sure or why you slept here. I don't know, but you really need something. Something, because <laughs> sleeping in the office, not so good. Although no. I do remember back in the day, this was a very long time ago, that there were some engineers who were sleeping in the office when I was working at a company that Intel later bought because they were like coding and testing stuff out. That was like a different yeah. time. Like we would come in on Monday and they would be there with like pizza in their face kind of thing. Right. But wow, I slept in the office. No, not so much. So was no. there an inciting incident or was there a moment when you just knew, not just no, hell no? I mean, there were a lot. And I think that this is the thing for a lot of high achieving women. You keep seeing the signs and the red flags, but you don't really know how to speak up or go put up boundaries and go, that's not for me because everybody else is doing it. So you think it's success. You think that that's the only way. So I remember specifically one example. Um, There was a death in the leadership team. And this man passed away on vacation with his family, had a heart attack, horrific. And we were trying to figure out when we were going to move the operations review because the funeral was the morning of the operations review. And the HR person basically said, like the VP, the big head honcho of HR was like, well, they can put their big boy pants on. We're not moving it. There's no other time to do it. We're going to have the operations review after the funeral. And I just remember thinking, this is everything I never want to be. Like, this is not me. How did I get here? Like, they literally don't, I don't want to say they didn't care. I think there were a lot of people on the leadership team that really did care. But there was enough of that corporate grit and jadedness, I think, right? Everyone had become so hardened that they were just like, no, this is what we do. We, We have business to do. Wow. wow. I'm just a number. I am just a number. What am I wow. doing this for? That is yeah. a show-stopping thought. They can just suck it up. We're having the Oh my mm-hmm. I just I cannot with that. I just cannot. I'm rejecting yeah. that. <laughs> I'm yeah. Rejecting that entire notion. So that would be a moment that would give me pause. So what did you do? Yeah. Well, I was uh chief of staff at the time for a large company and I felt really helpless, right? And I I tried talking to a couple of the people in my inner circle, like this doesn't seem right. And they're like, it's not right, but it's, it is what it is. And so that was kind of my initial like, okay, I have to start making an exit plan. I have to start figuring out something else. And so I ended up eventually getting the confidence to start looking outside of the company. Because, you know, when you're when you're at a company for a long time, what happens for a lot of us is we start to think that we're only good and we can only be successful in that one environment. Yes. I don't, I don't know if you've ever felt this. Yes, I have. 
Yes. And I just remember thinking, I'm only good because I've been here so long and I know the right people and I understand our culture and I understand the right way to do things here. I don't know if I would be successful somewhere else. And that's such broken thinking, (laughs) but it's, but understandable, right? Yes, exactly. So it's fascinating that when you reached out to your circle, they were like, yes, immediately they're like, oh my gosh, yes, this sucks. Yes. yes, you're right. This is all sorts of wrong. But then in the next breath, but this is how it is. So in right. other words, what are you going to do about it? So Right. Um, and I you- think sometimes you can change, right? Sometimes you can speak up and you can make a difference. Um, this was one of those scenarios that I don't think it would have mattered how much I spoke up. So at that point, it becomes, and this is something that I have to coach a lot of my clients through when we're doing you know, our life coaching sessions, is if you can't change it and you're unhappy with it, then you, you have no other choice but then to go elsewhere, right? You either sit there and you accept it and you go with the flow, or you, if you can make a change, great, speak up, make those changes. But if those are not options for you and you cannot live with it, it's like, well, there's no other way but to leave and go somewhere else, which is what I ultimately ended up doing. So when you went to the next organization, Mm -hmm. did you have the same, did you find the same issues that you were experiencing in the organization that you had just left? Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because it became very apparent about six months into this new role, right about the time the honeymoon phase of it wore off, you know, like the new pay bump, the new title, all that glitz and glamour had kind of gotten old and was now steady state, I realized, oh, it's not actually the company that's the problem. I could work for any company and I would have these exact same problems. The problem is me. I don't fit in this square box that for me was corporate. This isn't going to work anymore. Oh, now what? (laughs) How do I get out of here? Exactly. There's that whole holy macaroni moment where you're like, oh, okay, so it came here with me. <laughs> right. I'm like, right. wait, I'm confused. I thought we were yes. done with this. Yes. I thought we weren't going to have any more, you know, late nights grinding of the teeth. Oh no, I now have full on acid reflux. I like can't even swallow without crying. The stress. Oh my is- gosh. Do you know it- how many women I have spoken with in the last month mm-hmm. who specifically said grinding their teeth, acid reflux, and unexplained yeah. emotional swings? Oh, oh, hello. I forgot about the emotional swings. Yes. I remember working at a company where I thought, okay, this is it. I have arrived. And I was having the wildest swings of emotion. And I went to the doctor and I was like, okay, I think something's wrong with me. Maybe I'm having early menopause. It can happen in your thirties, right? And they told me I was depressed and I was not depressed, but they told me I was depressed. And I believed that. For like Mm -hmm. six months until I figured out that when I wasn't in this particular environment dealing with the particular issues that were troublesome for me, I was my regular self. Right. So I was like, oh, so I'm situationally depressed? I'm (laughs) I'm geographically depressed? Because when I'm not here in this space with these folks having to do this stuff that doesn't make my heart sing, I am glorious. So, Oh, you um, just hit the nail on the head, right? It's that doesn't make my heart sing. mm -hmm. Because that was the problem for me. You know, I I love that 
that there is more opportunities for women in STEM. I love that we're raising awareness amongst young girls and women and giving them the opportunity to go into this field. And at the same time, I, as a woman, found it boring as all get up. I could not, I could not get my head around it. I would sit in meetings and look at the guys around the table and I would be like, okay, let me just get this straight. Do all y'all actually care how many people we adopt to the cloud? Because I don't, I I literally can't think of anything I could care less about. Are you faking it or is it just me? Like I was so confused, but I think they really liked it maybe. I don't know. Did you think you were having a midlife crisis? 100 did you legitimately know? Because see, I think but that's I didn't one of know the things. It at first. Yes, I was about to say. One of the things yeah. I'm seeing with my clients now is they don't realize that there's a dissonance between what they want to do and what it is that they do. Especially mm-hmm. if you've been really successful at it. It's hard to turn your nose up at something that pays you well, where mm. you keep getting promoted, where you get all these social cues that you are the bomb, right? Yes. It's hard to say to yourself, okay, so I might be fabulous in this space, but it does, it's itching me, right? It's hard yes. to say that. So I just wondered if you thought, hey, this is just a midlife crisis. I just need to bear down and you know, buy a hot car and get over it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, wait. It's like you're reading my mind. So first thing I want to just tell your listeners, because I think this is so important and hear me loud, write this down. Talent does not equal purpose. Talent does not equal purpose. You can be talented at something all day long and hate it or not enjoy it or just not get fulfill- f- fulfillment from it, right? You might be like, hey, it's not bad. It's okay, but it doesn't make your heart sing. And so I think that's so important. You know, Andre Agassi, we all remember him, big tennis star. He hated tennis with a deep passion, he actually said in interviews, a deep passion. And he did it for so many years, but he hated it. But he was so good at it that he probably felt like he couldn't walk away, right? And everybody was telling him, what are you doing? You're amazing. Keep going. But he hated Mm, it. I did not know that. Yes. Oh, yes. So I felt like that with marketing, right? B2B marketing. I was just like, I'm good at this. I know I'm good at this. I've had an amazing track record. And yet it's not fun anymore. I don't feel excited. I don't wake up and want to get out of bed and go do my work. But you just hit the nail on the head again, like the money. How do you walk away from six figures? You Mm -hmm. know, like especially when you have kids and you have responsibilities and they're playing hockey and you know, it's expensive and there's all these things. So you're right. I did. I bought a hot car. I got myself a Benz because I thought, well, if I'm going to work this hard, I might as well enjoy my money. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and for me, I think the midlife crisis became very apparent uh, when we had a couple of deaths in the family. And that was the moment that really shook me and went, ooh, my time here is finite. And I don't think I'm happy. I'm not living in alignment with my values. Like, what happened to fun Karen? What happened to the Karen that used to be pursuing her acting career? And where did all those dreams go? Mm -hmm. But I was so stuck with those golden handcuffs that it took me probably a good, ooh, I mean, all said and done, it was probably a four-year process. But from this point, it was about a year to really break free of that feeling of just being stuck. Well, this is my bed. I've made it. I have to lay in it. I better just suck it up. So that is heartbreaking to hear that it took four years. But I wanted to make sure to say 
that is not unusual mm-hmm. because the fact that you figured out that it was not the organization, but that it was your fit inside the organization doing the work that you were doing doesn't immediately lead to like an ABC after school special moment where you know exactly <laughs> what you want to do instead. Yes. And you pick up your skates and you're plucky and determined and then you go right. and do that other thing. It doesn't, real life doesn't wrap up in 45 minutes plus commercials. So it does take time to reconnect with what you liked before the world told you who you were supposed to be so that you can go be her and do more of what she wants to do. So four years, don't begrudge yourself that it took time because when you get on the other side of that, it can be quite delicious. But when you were in the, when you were in the stuck place, how did you move from stuck? Yes. I love that word. How do you, because it just sounds like exactly how it feels. How do you yes. move from stuck <laughs> to, to unstuck? It is the worst feeling in the world. And I think that's why you and I are probably so passionate about yes. helping women get unstuck because yes. we know what it feels like to be there. And it's just so painful and hopeless that you're like, I got to move out of this space, but you don't know what to do. And I think that that's like the the easiest thing I can tell people to do. Number one is just do something, anything different, literally, because we all think I got to know how to get from A to Z. I have to know the exact right next step, but you don't. You just have to do something different. Maybe that means you start volunteering your time. Maybe that means you take a different route home from work one day because you'll see a billboard that'll spark an interest in something. I mean, you just don't know where inspiration is going to come from. Mm -hmm. So do something, anything different. The biggest thing I think I did that really helped me get unstuck was turning inward and drowning out the noise. So what do you mean turning inward? Yeah. So for me, that was a lot of internal reflection, a lot of journaling and going inside of myself because I had all the answers. I knew that corporate wasn't for me for years when this whole thing started to kick off. I didn't want to acknowledge it because of what it meant, because of what the perceived discomfort was going to be. So as I started to journal and uncover all of these dreams and ambitions in my heart, I realized I owe it to myself. Like I am preventing myself from having a better life because I'm putting up all these blockers. And I don't necessarily think that I'm capable of making a living as an entrepreneur. Well, I don't know because I've never tried. And so now I was able to look at all of these thoughts that I had buried deep inside of me and go, oh, well, that's actually not so scary. That's not really true. You know, I probably could run a business. Look at all these other people doing it. If they can do it, why couldn't I? Look how successful I've been in my career. That would translate, surely. So I think, you know, by going inside and drowning out the noise and not worrying about what everybody else thinks I should be doing, I was able to get clear on what I really wanted, which ended up being, at first, writing a book. Um, you know, I didn't even know I was going to leave corporate, but I just thought, well, I got to get joy from somewhere other than my job. Why not pursue my creativity and write this memoir? So did you write the book while you were still working in corporate? I did. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of like my night job, you know, I would get done with work and I would be like, all right, everybody, mommy has to write. I need like 20 minutes. Just 
give me some time to go upstairs and crank out, you know, a half a chapter or something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I hired, hired an editor, um, at the beginning of 2020, right before the world shut down. Oh, that's interesting timing, isn't it? Oh my gosh. Right. But the universe always knows like everything happens for a reason, but the, uh, yeah, I met right at the end of February in New York city with the editor and he decided to sign on and we agreed to work together. And the week next week, I think a week or two later, I got notice from the company that bonuses were not going to be paid. And so I had a very pivotal moment where I believe the universe was testing me and saying, okay, how serious are you about this? Do you still want to go through with this, even though that bonus was how you were going to pay your editor? And I remember just going to my husband and going, I got to do this. I have got to bet on me for once. I'm going to use some of my savings. I mean, it wasn't his money, so I wasn't asking for permission, but I just wanted to like acknowledge uh, that I was using this money. And he was like, okay, do what you got to do. He's like, I just want to see you happy. I just want you to be happy Karen again. Um, Oh, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Yes, it is. But it's also that heartbreaking thing again for me, because Mm -hmm. when we're in the midst of that teeth grinding acid reflex place, (laughs) we don't realize that people who care about us see it. Because we tell ourselves that in order to get up and continue to do stuff that is sucking the very life out of us, that we have to put on a mask and we have to show up and be fake. Mm -hmm. And we don't realize that we're not that good at it. And since you (laughs) trained as an actress, you're thinking, oh, I'm killing this. Nobody Mm -hmm. knows I'm miserable. And then your husband says, yeah, I'm looking for happy Karen again. And you're like, crap on a cracker. He knew this whole time. (laughs) He knew I was not myself. Yeah. He did. And he felt so bad. He wanted to help me, but he couldn't help me, right? Other than just to be supportive, but he didn't have the answers either. You know, I, again, that's where it comes to turning inward and just getting really serious with yourself about what you want. Love. I think the other important thing is that while you were yet in corporate, you started your first thing was uh, do something different. So you started doing that right away. And then you, turned inward while you were still there, right? Mm -hmm. And then you decided to write the book while you were still there. I speak with women sometimes who feel like life is like a faucet that is on or off. So either I'm here, I am all in, or I turn away completely and go do this other thing. And they're panicking about all that they'll have to give up. And I'm my question's always, okay, who says you have to give everything up? Yes. (laughs) Let's start there. Who is this mystical being who is telling you that life is either black or white? Because I would like to talk with them. Yes. Oh, (laughs) that hasn't been my experience, right? So you started these things while you were still in your current gig, which I love. You don't have to give up everything to figure out what makes your heart sing. Exactly. So you turned inward and the way for you was journaling, spending time alone, really getting comfortable again or getting reconnected with a bunch of different ideas. Like what might I like to do? What could my next chapter legitimately look like? What did you do next? Yeah. So as I started, it sort of happened organically from there, right? Because now I'm writing this book and all of a sudden I have this like fire in my belly again. I'm like, life is awesome. My job is a means to an end. It's funding my dream. Like I can get with that. Let me go just do the bare minimum right now. I'm not trying to be this like a plus plus star performer. I'm delegating stuff to my team left and right. 
They're getting stronger. They're like, oh, she's finally trusting us, right? Which I didn't realize was the signal I had always been sending to my team because I was keeping a lot of the work to myself. So almost like created this own self-fulfilling prophecy, like, oh, I'm so busy and I have no time. And so I would just take on more, take on more and make that, make myself have less time and, and be operating from scarcity instead of standing up and being the leader that I should have been and been like, no, you take that call. You can handle that. I don't need to be a part of every single thing. And so as I started to do that, to prioritize, you know, working on the book, my eyes became open to the possibilities. And I created my website and my editor was like, look, you got to build a platform. You're writing a memoir. Who's going to buy this book? You need an audience. And I was like, okay, what what am I going to do to get an audience? I know I'll speak. I love speaking. Speaking's fun for me. It's easy. Okay. And so I end up going through this whole process, writing my signature talk. And I thought, I'm just jazzing these women up. And then I'm like, good luck. I'm like leaving them unexpected. And then I don't actually teach them how to change. I thought, well, that's not fair. All of a sudden you thought, hey, I'm ripping off the bandit and saying, hey, go in love. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I'm like, this isn't going to work for me. Like, I want to actually usher women through this process. Right. And so I started exploring like, different kinds of coaching, health coaching, physical training, because I do a lot, like I love to work out. I'm very physical. And someone was just talking about life coaching. And I thought, well, I could do that. I I could think I would be a good life coach. So I ended up getting certified, fell in love with it. And I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. Now, mind you, while all this is happening, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. My company has acquired another company that does this magical reverse takeover that I've never seen before in my corporate career. And I'm like, they're going to lay me off. They're going to lay me off. So as I got closer to knowing that this was inevitably going to happen, I was like, this is great. (laughs) All my fantasies are coming true. I've always wanted a severance package. (laughs) <laughs> I really need better fantasies, but I was about to say, you know that is not an average response to that situation, right? No, I know. Okay. Well, well, it is, but it isn't, right? I think a lot of us secretly are kind of like, oh my gosh, I would be so relieved, but we don't want to admit it or say it out loud because of what we think it means. It, it feels scary. It feels uncertain. But for me, it got to the point where it was just so painful to work anymore. And I, I was getting so much joy from these other avenues of my life. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta just step into this completely. And the universe knew that, you know, the the universe knew that I would get to the end of the year and be like, well, why not hang on a few more months and get that bonus money? Right. Like I would always be moving the end date because of my own fear, you know, my own self doubt. And so the universe was like, we're done here, girlfriend job over. Like you need to step into this fully and just go follow your heart. I think it's fascinating uh, how the universe conspires to make Mm -hmm. our deepest dreams come true, despite sometimes our best efforts to (laughs) to block the blessings, right? Oh yeah. And I don't know if I told you this when we first talked, but you know, that book, I started The Ins and Outs of My Vagina in 2009. So this is now, you know, 2020, 
that we are talking about me losing my job and I'm writing and I'm working with the editor and the book ended up launching in 2021. So I fully believe that the universe is never going to let you miss your shot, right? If you block Mm. it like I did, I mean, I was in corporate and every once in a while that book would pop up in my mind and be like, well, just I'll write a chapter. I'll get around to it someday, someday. And finally, the universe was like, nope, it's now. There's no more someday. Like, we got to do this. And and I'm thankful for that. So I have a question. And when we were talking about, the minute I heard the title of your book, I think we both giggled for like five minutes (laughs) because of my inner child. My inner five-year-old was like, ha, 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 vagina. But no. Did you have any qualms when you were still fully immersed in corporate about writing a book with that title? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I actually hid everything. That is why everything um, with my book is in my maiden name because I was was worried about my, you know, kids and my husband and what people might think. You know, I had a lot of fear around that. And actually, after the book was all written, ready to go, everything was pretty much done. I sat on it for about a good three months before I did anything with it because I thought, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to tell people my most intimate moments? And yeah, I did. (laughs) And then I did. (laughs) Was there one conversation or one thing that made you suddenly say, you know what, I'm pulling the trigger on this. Because I absolutely understand the reticence. First of all, writing a book and putting your book out there is, there's fear built into that because suppose the world hates it. You've just spent all this time birthing this baby and the world tells you your baby was ugly. So there is that fear, right? But then there's all this other stuff like, When you leave corporate at all, there's all this, oh, what will people say? Mm -hmm. Do they think I'm crazy? Do they think that I really just couldn't? I mean, there's all this drama that comes with leaving a corporate role and a corporate title, right? So leaving corporate. Now, legitimately, your job was ending, so you needed to do something different. But there's just Mm -hmm. a lot wrapped up in putting some art that you have created out in the world. But then you also think specifically of the title. Does that fit with who people thought you were in the business world? Yeah. And part of me was like, this is so great. This is such a mic drop moment just to be like, forget you all. Check out my book. Like, peace out. Um, <laughs> so so there was definitely that fighter in me that was like, yeah, like I got you. <laughs> you know? I won in the end. Um, but no, I think that that pivotal moment that got me over the hump was my coach. And so, yes, the coach has a coach. I love coaching. I'm a believer of coaching. I have my own coach. And um, in talking with her and sharing a lot of my fears around why I was being hesitant around the book, um, you know, she really poked a lot of holes, asked me a lot of those deep questions. And the, the biggest question, she said, what do you envision for this book? Like, let's say you put this book out there. What's the best case scenario? And I was like, Oh my gosh, it becomes a bestseller. And it's, I make a TV show out of it. And I just got all excited about all the possibilities. And I'm raising money for Alliance for Period Supplies to help end period poverty. And like, I'm going to change people's lives. And this is so amazing. And she just looked at me and goes, okay, I'm not telling you what to do. That's not my role as your coach. She goes, when this call is over, I want you to go back and watch the video. And I want you to look at your face and the way you light up when you talk about this book. And then you tell me whether or not you want to launch this. 
And, you know, like, are your fears worth giving up everything that you just talked about? And I was, and I went back and I watched the video and I was like, she's right. <laughs> I hope I can say the D word. Um, but I was like, I'll oh, just okay. edit that out. <laughs> I was like, dang it. She's right. I got to do this. You know, I, I really was just holding myself back because of that fear, because of what I was afraid people would think about me. But what about all the people that were going to read this book and go, oh my gosh, I felt alone. I have felt like my body was dysfunctional my whole life. Or I thought I was the only one who, you know, just had a miscarriage or all the different things that I talk about in there that go along with your body. I thought if, if this book touches one person, my gosh, then it's worth it. It's worth all of it. There is that magical moment when, as coaches, our client Mm -hmm. shifts. They, like, transform in front of us. Mm -hmm. And you see, I mean, it's just, it's hard to describe until you witness it. But the voice change, the energy change, like, everything about them, they sound like almost a different person when they are ready to, like, step into what they really want to do. It yeah. is mind blowing. And it's such a privilege. It's one of the things I love about being a coach. I feel like I'm an anthropologist almost, and that we're like <laughs> unearthing what people have been hiding, like what they yes. have, you know, buried in the ground. And we get to be there when the spade hits the box and they're like, oh, what is this thing down here? <laughs> like yeah. all that joy and anticipation. Uh, that is magical. But I was laughing so hard. You mean, like, you went back and watched, and you're like, oh, she was right. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, okay. I have no more excuses. Okay. Gotta do it. Oh, I love that. So we talked a little bit about the fears of publishing a book, period, the fears about what people mm-hmm. would say. And I think often women in particular are socialized to think about themselves what other people think about them. So sure. I sometimes don't know how I feel about I'm not saying this is my current truth. I'm just talking about women. We don't know how we feel about something until someone else tells us how they feel about it. Yeah. And I think they train that into us. So as children, we are very opinionated, both genders, right? But I Mm -hmm. do think that little girls then get to be socialized in a way where they're supposed to wait for someone to tell them what they think about something before they then say what they think about something. So it's not unusual or not unexpected that she would be so worried about what people would say. But the thing that I am fascinated by is everybody's opinion doesn't hold the same weight. Mm, True. It's like one of the joys of being over 30. (laughs) Right. There have to be some, I can't all be dry. Can't all be dry skin and droopy boobs. It has to be, there have to be good things to being over 30. And one of them is that you just realize that some people's opinions legitimately don't matter to you, Mm -hmm. right? Your circle gets much smaller. The people who have influence over you get much smaller, hopefully, right? As we grow and, you know, get more and become more and more who we're supposed to be, we realize that there are people's opinions that legit don't matter. Mm -hmm. 
So what would you say to someone who's listening to us right now who maybe it's not a book that they want to write? Maybe they don't want to leave corporate. Maybe they want to leave the area that they're in within their company and go do something completely different. And they're feeling stuck there. Mm -hmm. Maybe they work in marketing and they want to work in HR. Maybe they work in HR and they want to work in sales, right? There are a lot of ways we can be stuck. So what would you say to someone who's listening to us who is stuck right now and feels like she's going to stay stuck? because of what other people might say. Yeah. Yeah. It's a choice, right? We all, we make a choice. We decide whether we want to be stuck because indecision is a choice. Deciding not to do anything is a choice. And that's why I encourage people earlier, just do one thing different. Go shadow somebody in that different department. If you do want to write a book, just do a little research on what it would take. Start writing, like literally just start putting words on a piece of paper. Um, You know, do that one thing, take that step because you are making a choice to do nothing and to stay stuck. And that was hard. That's hard to hear for a lot of us because I didn't think that was true of me. I was like, no, but you don't understand my situation. You don't understand the bills I have to pay. You don't understand the taxes Mm. I have in New Jersey where I was living at the time, right? Right. And it wasn't until I watched the movie The Secret where I really started to understand manifestation and that my negative thoughts were perpetuating negative situations. And that if I could retrain my thoughts and I could be grateful and I could be more positive, that I would actually attract positivity. And it was just the right timing because I think we're all ready to receive messages at different times. Mm -hmm. And it was, I finally was enough at rock bottom where I was like, well, I've already tried this whole being miserable and staying stuck and nothing's getting better. What do I have to lose? You know, I can just keep Mm -hmm. going down this path and like the definition of insanity, expecting something different to happen. It's not happening. So why not try this manifestation thing? Why not try thinking good thoughts and taking a step in a different direction? And it was from that moment forward that really everything started to change. So what are you waiting for? So it's interesting to think that our refusing, because you're right, even not making a decision is making a decision, right? You have made a decision not to do something, right? That is uh, so true. But it's interesting when you think about the bigger impact of your choosing not to do anything, because somebody, it's kind of like when you were talking about um, how you were thinking, if I don't write this book, there's somebody out there who won't get this message. There's somebody out there that will continue to feel alone, that will think they're the only person who has experienced these things. And I was remembering that uh, when I was uh, looking at your website before, I think it was on your website where you said that there's a report that posits that 98% of people, it just gives me goosebumps to even say this out loud, 98% of people die without living out their dreams. And I think that was show-stopping, heartbreaking in all sorts of other ways. And I thought that's the genesis of my journey with confidence. Mm-hmm. Because I thought I have to figure out how to grow confidence so that I'm not one of those 98%. Yes. So it took a lot of confidence to do several of the things that you've talked about. So shifting from the organization where you were bored to a new organization that took confidence, right? Because mm-hmm. you said in the beginning, you were thinking, oh, I'm only good because I'm here. And because I've been here so long, I know where 
all the people are like not where I know where the body's buried, right, but I know right. where the people. <laughs> I know where the people I are. Those too. <laughs> but I know where the people are who can help me get stuff done, so that I will, yeah. you know, be better at my job. Right. So you had to find confidence to move from that organization to a new one, and then you had to find the confidence to take the time to figure out what you wanted to do next. Do you have any hints or tips on how you developed confidence? Yeah, absolutely. It is a skill, right? We think that it's something yeah. we were born with we're, or we were not, which is not true. It's a skill. So how did you yes. develop the confidence to make some of those big changes? Sure. So I think, you know, number one was owning my current status, my current capabilities and being accountable for where I was at that stage of life. You know, so many times we think, well, I can't start a business because I don't have experience running a business. Well, everybody has to start somewhere. So just own the capabilities that you do have. I'm a fabulous marketer. Great. I'll know how to market the business. Why don't I go meet with some people who already know the operation side of a business or something, right? Or the tax side of the business. Okay, get those people in my circle. But I had to own what I had and stop looking at everybody else like they had something that I didn't. And a lot of that meant like, clearing out the lies in my head, you know, that I I wasn't capable of doing those things or I wasn't any good. And going back and reading, like, it's just like a tangible thing you can do right now. Like, go read the recommendations on LinkedIn, like on your profile right now. What have people said about you? You know, those aren't lies. People didn't put that there because they weren't sincere about it. Um, I did that the other day. I read my podcast reviews because I have a big presentation coming up at a big tech firm. And I was feeling a little nervous about it. And I was like, stop, I'm going to own my capabilities. I know I'm capable of this. I've always done a good job speaking. Why would this be any different? And I was reading the podcast reviews of people saying, Karen, next level guest, have her on your show, so much energy. And I'm like, well, why would that not translate then to this presentation? Love that so much. That's a great tip. Thank you. Love that. The other thing I would say is you've got to face your fear because we all have fears and that's okay. That's normal, right? There's no such thing as fearless. To me, what fearless really means is doing it in the face of fear, being scared and doing it anyway, taking the leap anyway. So when we keep our fears in our head, they become this like scary, hairy monster that has all grown all kinds of tentacles and become this wild, crazy, imaginary <laughs> thing. But when Super we powerful. The- um, it's right? like an event. It's like one of the Marvel Universe characters. Yes, by the time. exactly. <laughs> and you're like, well, of course, that feels like impossible to overcome. And then you write yes. the fear down. Like, I'm afraid people won't let their kids play with my kids if they know about my book. Well, if they aren't going to not let their kids play with my kids because of a book I wrote, well, I don't want my kids playing with their kids anyway. Okay, never mind. Fear checked off, right? Like, not a thing. Okay, maybe there is a fear. Well, then you can come on to step number three, which is make a plan. Don't we all feel better when we have a plan? Absolutely. But Even if we don't like it, having a plan versus no plan is magic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Completely. (laughs) Yeah. So, but a lot of us think, well, I want to do this other thing, but we don't actually come up with a plan. Okay. You want to get promoted. Great. Well, what steps are you taking to get promoted? Are you signing up for extra projects? Are you networking with the leadership team that's going to, you know, sponsor somebody into that role? What are you doing to make it a reality versus just sitting there and feeling fearful about applying for the next role that comes open? 
if you have a plan, you're going to be more likely to execute. The problem is most people don't get to the make a plan phase because they're stuck in the fear phase, right? So they've never gotten that far. That is so juicy. (laughs) Most people don't get to the planning stage because they are still stuck in the fear Mm -hmm. stage. Now, I know you have a gift for my listeners that has something to do with how they don't have to stay stuck. Do you want to tell us about that? Maybe there's some secrets. There are six secrets, actually. So yes, I have a free e-guide on my website called Six Secrets to Get Unstuck. And if you employ these six secrets for 30 days, I promise you, you will start to get unstuck and be able to move in a new direction and start gaining that confidence that you need to make those next steps. So this awesome guide that has six secrets to get unstuck, you can get it off Karen's website. The link is in the show notes, but you can also go to allegrativity.com slash six secrets. That will take you right to Karen's site. So it's allegrativity.com slash six, the numeral six secrets to get this amazing guide. This has been so awesome. And I just feel like I could go out and leap tall buildings in a single bound right now. Yes, that's what I, I want. I'm so energized. It. And there's so much I took from this that I know I can apply to my own life, which I love. That's why we have coaches, right? Coaches yes. have coaches because we always know that we can be improving and then having a greater impact on other people's lives. Is there anything else that you just want to pour all over my so grateful audience that you haven't had a chance to share yet? Yeah, you know, I will just speak to that coaching thing. I mean, it is so empowering when you invest in yourself and you prioritize yourself in that way and you get that third party guidance, somebody who is unbiased. And I just see so many women that they they want to get a coach. They want to advance their life and level up, but they're afraid to invest in themselves. And I just want to let you know you're worth it. You deserve it. And go ahead and bet on yourself because it will change your life. That is awesome. And the magical thing about you changing your life is when women's lives change, when women's lives, I cannot say that, when women's lives change, the world changes. Yes. Oh, that is so beautifully said. Thank you so much for being here. I know everyone's going to fall in love. We're going to have the link to your website. In the show notes, can you tell us real quick what's your favorite social platform if they choose to come play with you there? Absolutely. So my Facebook group is a great place where I hang out a lot. It's called Successful Working Women Rocking Reinvention. And I'm happy to share that in the show notes too. And so come hang out with us. Otherwise, you can find me at Karen Freeland on Facebook or Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Everyone, I'll have the links to all of the resources. Uh, Karen shared as well as full show notes with some of these great quotes because I was writing so fast. I was like, oh, that should be a t-shirt. Oh, that should be on a mug. Oh, that's just delicious. I just had to keep, I was writing this whole time just Thank making you. sure I captured all these tidbits. But everyone also knows they could come back and listen more than one time. That's the joy of podcasts. So we'll have all that available for you in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. We will catch you next time. <laughs> 